Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is a little bit of extra for you on your march 16th 2023 i'm your host jd from new york as always coming to you live from the ots venue thank you guys so very much for joining me on your thursday evenings wherever you may be man a little midweek break getting you guys the news everything you need that's happening in the iwc i got for you Tonight on OTS, and I want to thank you guys as always for joining me and hanging out with me for a little bit on your Thursday nights, man. Been a hectic day. Been a hectic day. I uh, normally have been going live on Thursdays at 5 p.m., but I, I severely needed uh, a little bit of a, of a nap, and um, I got back from the hospital visiting my grandmother. Uh, nothing's changed on that front, but uh, I will keep you guys posted if anything dire happens. Obviously, it will affect what I do here, but uh, all is uh, okay for now, and I will keep you guys updated on that, but it's been a rough week, man. Uh, little to no sleep or not enough sleep. I've been going hard at the gym, as always, you know, then mixed with the situation with my grandmother, so uh, a little bit of uh, everything going on here this week, so I apologize for the uh, two-hour delay in the show, but uh, the nap was absolutely needed. I feel a little bit better now that I close my eyes for a couple of hours. But we're going to get into it, man. Please follow me on social media. You guys know the deal. At JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Thank you for all the love on TikTok. We just surpassed 20,000 followers on TikTok. Post and pro wrestling. And I love when people take clips that were that were uploaded to TikTok about five weeks ago and try and make a big deal about it. I mean, bro, it's five weeks ago, but thank you for watching the content. I really appreciate you. 20,000 followers on TikTok. I appreciate you guys very much. Twitter's the place to be, as I am on Twitter more than any other social media platform. It, uh, to me, just helps out the show the best way. So make sure you guys go follow me on social. Everything you need is linked down below in the description. Hit that thumbs up. We got over 1,000 people in here. Still people coming on in. Make sure you hit the thumbs up. I'd love if you guys can uh, hit that thumbs up for me. It would really help out the algorithm purposes for the podcast. So make sure you guys go and do that. Super Chats are open as always. We'll hang out at the end of the show. And memberships are open. Make sure you guys get them on in. We are very close to the debut of my mother's basement. It's coming soon. A whole brand new OTS experience. And we will be doing that WrestleMania weekend. It will be the first night VIP only. So make sure you guys go and do that. And join the channel membership right here on the podcast. And go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. Jesse and I were live for AW Dynamite last night. We were live on Monday night for Raw. We were live on Sunday night for episode 468. So go check all that stuff out. And there are YouTube shorts. So go check that stuff out all on the homepage for you guys. All the content that you could want right here on OTS. We're going to start with some Hall of Fame news, man. The great Muda, 
is going into the Hall of Fame as announced on the bump by Ric Flair. It's expected that Flair will also induct Muda into the Hall of Fame. I'm sure Flair will uh, make this entire speech about himself as he usually does talking about stories of the Four Horsemen and all the things that he found to be most enjoyable. So Ric Flair is inducting the Great Muda into the Hall of Fame. The Great Muda is the alter ego of Muto who had his retirement match on February 21st against Tetsuya Naito in Japan. Muto first appeared as Muda in 1989 for the NWA before bringing the character to Japan. He had famous matches with various top names, including Sting and Flair. Muda has worked for several promotions, including WCW, All Japan Pro Wrestling, NWA, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Pro Wrestling Noah. He's considered one of the greatest Japanese wrestlers of all time. Never mind that. The great Muda is one of the most influential wrestlers ever. No matter what, no matter where, no matter what crevice of pro wrestling you guys are watching, somebody's been inspired in some way, shape, or form by the great Muda. Among the titles he's held during his career, including AJPW's Triple Crown Heavyweight Championship, New Japan's IWGP Heavyweight Championship, and Noah's GHC Heavyweight Championship. And as you guys know, Rey Mysterio was the first announced to be in the 2023 Hall of Fame for WWE. That was announced on Friday SmackDown. Conan will be inducting Rey Mysterio. Hulk Hogan recently also hinted at two other names potentially being honored this year, though nobody knows who they are. The other name that is going around that will be getting an induction this year is Stacey Keebler. So she will be going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, don't really know what her accolades are, nor do I care, but a lot of people feel like she deserves a Hall of Fame ballot or a Hall of Fame induction. Uh, so be it. That's the latest name going around on the dirt sheets for a Hall of Fame induction. You know, fun fact, Jason Solomonster and I actually called a great mood of match in House of Glory. It's amazing, man. It is absolutely amazing that I have the distinction of watching the great Muda go into the Hall of Fame this year, and I can pinpoint him and say, you know, I actually called a great Muda match for House of Glory Wrestling. It's amazing, man. The opportunities that Amazing Red and Brian XL and the Hog family have given me and Jason, man, it is tremendous, and uh, I will go out of my way to do anything I can to help them out. That's how great they've been to us. Uh, this is great. I mean... It opens up the doors. You know, Great Muda hasn't really done anything with WWE, but it opens up the doors for others like Muda who have not stepped foot in the WWE to go into the Hall of Fame. Now, a lot of people are going to be looking at the Hall of Fame of, you know, WWE as, yeah, it's nothing but uh, a farce. There's no, you know, legitimate Hall of Fame. There's no real Hall of Fame for WWE. It's all Vince McMahon's fucking ego and, you know, all, all this other nonsense, but... You know, it's a great distinction to be recognized by a company and people like WWE, like Triple H, you know, especially with the changing of the tide in WWE. You know, I don't know if the great Muda would actually be going in into the Hall of Fame if Vince McMahon was still fully in charge of everything. We don't know. I honestly think, and this is just me speaking out loud, the great Muda is probably going into the Hall of Fame this year because of Triple H being in charge of creative and him having a say on what happens this year with the WWE product. You know, Triple H is ingrained in the old school. Triple H is of an old school mind. So with him inducting the great Muda into the Hall of Fame, I just think it's just 
a, a great inside way to kind of see the inner workings of what that man truly finds important. So I love that. That's why we all love Triple H and what he brings to the table as far as leading the WWE. And like I said, this opens up the door for other people who have not competed in the WWE to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Whether you find it to be a big deal or not, some people consider this a big deal, especially from a company that has for so long and is notorious for living in their own bubble, playing in their own sandbox alone to go out there and honor somebody that's really never worked for your promotion. It's a big deal. It should be looked at as kind of a changing of the tide for WWE and the way that they approach things. So congratulations to the great Muda. I think that's going to be a uh, very exciting night for all involved there with the Hall of Fame. Dave Batista is another name that a lot of people are thinking will be in the Hall of Fame this year. But Dave Batista will not be inducted into the Hall of Fame this year. Exclusively reported by WrestlingNews.co on their Patreon account. PW Insider is also reporting that WWE is not inducting Dave Batista this year. So far, Rey Mysterio and the Great Mood have been announced. And PW Insider also confirmed Stacey Keebler is going to be announced as well as another inductee. But Dave Batista was not on the list of people going in this year. Now, he was supposed to be inducted in 2020, but he didn't want to do it because... You know, just like a normal human being, he didn't want to go out there in the middle of a fucking pandemic in front of virtual screens and be inducted in front of nobody. He wanted to be amongst the energy of real fans to show appreciation back for all the appreciation and love that he's been given over his pro wrestling career. So he opted to wait until fans were live so we could properly thank them. And he expressed hope of being inducted a few months ago this year. And Dave Batista is not on the list of names to be announced this year for the Hall of Fame class of 2023. The report noted that Batista would not be a part of this year's class. He is currently filming the second My Spy movie in South Africa. The likely reason why he's not being inducted this year as he wouldn't be able to physically be in Los Angeles. Is Dave Batista going into the Hall of Fame? Absolutely. It's a matter of when and not if. When he's clearly free, he'll be in the Hall of Fame. It would have been great to see him go in in Los Angeles, being that he's kind of come into his own as a Hollywood guy, as an actor in Hollywood, but sometimes the schedule doesn't line up. But it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when Dave Bautista goes into the Hall of Fame, and clearly Dave Bautista is deserving of that honor, no doubt about it. Speaking of WrestleMania... There was major news in regards to Bray Wyatt this week that kind of sent the IWC into a frenzy. Now, if you watch the show, if you watch the show, and this has been my narrative over the last several weeks, watch the show. You'll see what I'm talking about if you watch the show. A lot of people are saying, oh, I don't see anything different about Monday Night Raw. It's the same show. No, it's not. It's not the same show. When Triple H, Jesse and I talked about this last night because the discussion was raised. Somehow Vince McMahon got thrown into the discussion. And I didn't prompt Jesse to say anything. Jesse's his own man. Jesse is his own fucking content creator on YouTube. I don't tell him to say shit. He comes on the show. He gives... His opinion on my show, we don't agree on everything, 
And that's the reason why the dynamic is so good. Because there is banter back and forth, and there is topical, logical discussion back and forth. I don't want nobody on my show that's going to agree with everything I say. It's going to be fucking boring. And I'm sure, I'm sure you guys are not stupid. You'll see right through that shit. I don't want that on my show. Jesse, on his own accord, even said to everybody last night, in front of 2,000-plus people watching us review AEW Dynamite, that he feels... Vince McMahon is booking Monday Night Raw while Triple H is booking SmackDown because of the sheer difference between the shows. And it's not difficult to see what Triple H is in charge of on WrestleMania and what Vince McMahon is in charge of of WrestleMania. Go look at the Monday Night Raws after SummerSlam into the late summer, early fall of 2022. WWE Raw was actually watchable. The foundation of the show was different. The structure of the show was different. And that was all Triple H. Then we start getting into the late fall, early winter. We start getting closer to the Royal Rumble. Now we're in WrestleMania season. And the show is not the same as it was back in September and October. And if you guys don't know that and you don't see it, it's not my problem. This is why you're here, and this is why I'm here to bring it to your attention. This is my job. I pay attention to everything WWE does. Why would I lie to you? Answer yourself that question, or ask yourself that question. Answer it. Why would I lie to you in regards to anything that I see on WWE television? I have no reason to lie. I'm not being paid by nobody. I'm not a shill. I'm not pro-WWE over AEW. I'm not pro-AEW over WWE. I am pro, I want good wrestling. The show has changed. The creative process for several aspects of the company has changed. You're not going to hear this shit on other shows. You're not. They don't want to bring it up. They don't want to bring it up because they don't want to ruffle any feathers. Because it would be a PR nightmare And the more notable dirt sheets are not going to say anything. Fightful's in bed with WWE, so clearly they're not going to say anything. Melcher doesn't give a shit. He's got a long-standing history with WWE. He doesn't give a fuck what what he says anymore. Neither, Neither does Alvarez. But they get to the fucking truth more so than Fightful does. And everybody else just fucking copies Fightful and then regurgitates their shit. There's not one single fucking show that has a solid thought for themselves. Because they don't watch the show. They don't. Now, the reason why I say this is because Bray Wyatt was a topic of discussion this week. Now, the reason why Bray Wyatt went missing from the Madison Square Garden house show and has been missing for a few weeks now off WWE TV, they said it was a physical issue. Now, whether you believe me or not, I don't really give a shit because I have the sources to back it up. I know what's wrong with Bray Wyatt. I got tipped off on what's wrong with Bray Wyatt, and it is a physical issue. It is a physical issue. Something COVID-related, and it's effects stemming from his bout with COVID before he came back to the WWE. That's the reason why he's off TV. That's the most I'll say. But that doesn't mean that what we've been saying leading up to him being out For the last couple of weeks. That doesn't mean that Vince McMahon doesn't have a say in what's going on with Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt's act has changed. The entire presentation for Bray Wyatt has changed. 
Bright Wyatt in October is much different than Bright Wyatt you see in January, February, and March. The story of Bright Wyatt is a lot different than what you see in October compared to what you see now, January, February, and March. At least when he came back, we started to see little things here and there that were progressing. We saw Bright Wyatt in a different way, a different light, a different form. Then all of a sudden, we start to see Firefly Funhouse. Then we start to see Mountain Dew Pitch Black. Bright Wyatt's now walking advertisement. The feud with LA Knight was fucking great. It was great television. Everything about it was exciting. Did it drag on too long? Yes. But WWE has a tendency to do that. But that doesn't mean it was bad. We got the best of LA Knight that we've seen in years with this feud. He was made into a bigger guy because of it. Bray Wyatt was a little bit more humanized. We saw different emotions from Bray Wyatt. We seen the introduction of Uncle Howdy. Soon as that Mountain Dew pitch black match happened, everything went downhill. He wasn't on TV anymore. He wasn't on TV expressing himself as a human being. Firefly Funhouse, Muscle Man Dance, rumors of Bray Wyatt and Brock Lesnar. Everybody was like, what the fuck? You go from L.A. night to calling out Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley after the Elimination Chamber is over. How does that make any sense? How does that pick up the storyline from where we left off with L.A. Knight and where we're going with Uncle Howdy? Right then and there, I'm like, well, hey, this doesn't make sense. I've been saying this for weeks. It doesn't make sense. Bright has nothing to do with Brock Lesnar, and Brock Lesnar has nothing to do with Bray Wyatt. Neither does Bobby Lashley. So why is this match made? Why is this match being made for WrestleMania or teased for WrestleMania? Then we get the whole thing about Omos and Brock Lesnar after that is all over. Because then we come to find out that Brock Lesnar turned down Bray Wyatt and said, no, I don't want to wrestle Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania. Then we get Brock Lesnar and Omos booked officially for WrestleMania. Then I look back at that Bray Wyatt promo where he calls out Brock and Bobby and I'm like, there you go. There's the missing piece to the puzzle. Triple H didn't book Brock Lesnar and Omos. It was Vince McMahon who booked Brock Lesnar and Bray Wyatt initially. Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon finds out that Brock don't want to work with Bray, so we get Brock Omos. He goes and books Bray and Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania. Bray Wyatt and Bobby Lashley was booked by Vince McMahon. He has a physical issue, legitimately. But that doesn't mean the physical issue is Vince McMahon, but it also doesn't mean that Bray Wyatt is free and absent of Vince McMahon booking his creative. He may have a physical issue, but the physical issue that is still going to be lingering after he recovers from this physical issue is Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon has a lot more to do with Bray Wyatt than you really know about. And you're not going to hear it from Fightful. You're not going to hear it from Wrestle Geeks. You're not going to hear it from these other fucking ridiculous copy and paste fucking accounts on Twitter that regurgitate nothing and their growth is merely based off everybody else's fucking story. Bray Wyatt has been booked by Vince McMahon. WrestleMania has been booked by Vince McMahon. At least one-third of it has been booked by Vince McMahon. Bray Wyatt, Bobby Lashley, Vince McMahon. Brock Lesnar, Omos, Vince McMahon. Some of Cody and Roman, I'm sure Vince McMahon has a say in whatever's going on with Cody and Roman. 
Lita and Trish Stratus. If you don't believe Vince McMahon put the titles on Lita going into WrestleMania, then you may be a complete blithering idiot. That's not Triple H, because that's not the idea that we read about for months leading into the Royal Rumble on how Triple H wanted to operate with his current roster. JD, how do you know that? I know. Watch the show and read the reports. Read the reports. Doesn't line up. Doesn't sync up. Bray Wyatt apparently is still planned to wrestle Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania. Right now, that is still WWE's plan. They plan to move forward with Bobby Lashley and Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania. After the reports regarding Bray Wyatt's status being up in the air, and an interesting tweet by Lashley where he noted that he will fight anyone at WrestleMania, there had been speculation that the match may be off the show. Now, Dave Meltzer noted that as of right now, obviously things can change, and Meltzer's not really the most credible guy who gets all of his reports right, but Meltzer says the match is still on, and Wyatt is expected to be back very soon. From what I understand, the match is still on for WrestleMania. He should be back very soon, so we'll see. That's pretty much all I can say. There is something to it, but I'm not at liberty to discuss it. As far as I know, everything I've been told is that it's not a creative issue or anything like that. Bray Wyatt's out because of a physical issue stemming from COVID-19. But the physical issue, when he's finished with this physical issue and gets back to TV, there is still a issue. There is still a physical issue in the name of Vince McMahon because Vince McMahon is still booking Bray Wyatt as documented by what we've seen coming out of the Royal Rumble. Nothing makes sense. There is no fucking way you could sit there and tell me that when Bray Wyatt got back in October that the fucking climax of his story ending at WrestleMania to begin a brand new fucking Wyatt universe ends with Bobby Lashley. The match was made three weeks ago. By the hands of Vince McMahon. When you understand that and you come to accept that, then we can move on from the topic. But some people still don't grasp what is going on here. And this is why I'm so vehemently against Vince McMahon being back. Because this should not be happening in WWE. This. Once you understand why it's wrong, then we'll move on. Triple H. Triple H loves Gunther. Loves Gunther. Everybody loves Gunther. If you don't, get with the fucking program. Triple H does not think Gunther is ready for a WrestleMania match with Brock Lesnar yet. Now, I know you read that topic, you read that headline, and you read the article, and you don't understand why Triple H would possibly say something like that. You read that title... And you see that title in the dirt sheet and you're probably thinking, well, Triple H doesn't feel like he's ready. Does that mean he doesn't feel like Guthrie's going to be a top guy? Comes off in some sort of demeaning way, a negative way that Triple H may be feeling about Guthrie. That's not what I read from that. Why would you believe that? Why would you believe Triple H doesn't feel Gunther is ready? Of course he thinks he's ready. But there are things that need to happen before we get Gunther to the final boss phase. Right now, Gunther is in a video game. I'd probably say Gunther is at the middle of the game, somewhere between me medium and hard difficulty. You got to get Gunther to a point where he's legitimately 
fucking sitting in that final stage as the final boss of the video game that you're playing. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Whether you want to believe it or not, we're not there yet. Holding the Intercontinental title for 300 days is a great start. But that's not going to make Gunther the final boss of anybody yet. Triple H doesn't feel like he's ready for a match with Brock Lesnar yet. Now, back in November, the plan was for Gunther to go one-on-one with Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. It wasn't the plan. It was an idea. It was never a plan. It was never going to be something that WWE was going to follow through with because no matter what you think about Gunther and Lesnar, oh, that should have been the match. No. The plan was always supposed to be Sheamus. Always. Always. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Now we got Sheamus and Drew McIntyre involved, and I'll take two for the price of one. It's going to be a banger match. If it's not Sheamus and Gunther, it's going to be Sheamus, Gunther, and Drew McIntyre. I will take that gladly with no fucking complaint at all. But that was always the plan, just adding Drew McIntyre as a little added bonus, cherry on top. Sheamus and Gunther was always the plan. Never Brock Lesnar and Gunther at WrestleMania. He's been very protected. Triple H has protected him. He hasn't been pinned by anybody. Imperium's looked great on SmackDown. This is why we feel here on OTS that Vince McMahon is kind of heavy-handed with what's going on on Monday Night Raw. And Triple H is kind of heavy-handed with what's going on on SmackDown. Two different vibes of a show are Raw and SmackDown. And I'm not talking about one being three hours and the other being two. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Just things that we've seen on Monday. One minute match. There was three one minute matches on Monday Night Raw. Triple H books one minute matches? It's not what I was seeing back in October, September. Maybe you saw it, maybe on a different show, but. I know, I was watching Monday Night Raw, and we were getting 15 to 20-minute matches spread across three hours. One-minute matches? What the fuck are you going to do? What is Triple H going to do with one-minute matches? Vocabulary being used on commentary that wasn't being used. Remember back in the day when Triple H let them go out there and say wrestling or wrestler and hospital and belt? Those things have not been said since. We got Chad Gable being called short and ugly. We got Johnny Gargano being called small. We got Elias and Rick Boogs doing whatever the fuck they're doing on Monday night. Clearly, Vince McMahon. We got the maximum male models running rampant on Monday Night Raw. Completely a Vince McMahon deal. 
I mean, what else do you need? What more proof do you need? So that's why we feel like the, the, the shows are just drastically different. You could watch the way Gunther is booked and know that Vince McMahon has nothing to do with the way Gunther's booking or being booked. It's all Triple H. That's why we feel like there's two drastic fucking environments on Monday and Friday. Very protected. Vince would have never protected Gunther, ever. Gunther, apparently, you know, before this report, way back uh, when a Royal Rumble was uh, about to be built and we were going into the Royal, there was a report that Vince McMahon wanted to send Gunther back down to, to NXT. Like he wanted to bury him with the Intercontinental Championship. Some people said, ah, I don't believe that. Why not? Vince McMahon's not capable of taking somebody that Triple H loved dearly and burying them on Monday Night Raw, stemming from a July 4th segment with R-Truth, apparently. He wasn't happy with R-Truth going out there playing Uncle Sam and Gunther being the foreign villain, disgracing America on 4th of July. Something happened there that Vince wanted to just bury him after that 4th of July Monday Night Raw last year. I don't know. The man is demented. The man is literally demented. Gunther. Protected Triple H has done his best at protecting Gunther, not losing a single match on Friday night. Sports Illustrated is reporting that the feeling within WWE is that Gunther isn't quite ready for a big singles match against Lesnar at this year's WrestleMania. Now, the belief internally is that Gunther needs another year before conquering a star the caliber of Lesnar. After one more year of further establishing and cementing himself as a ring general, he and Lesnar could have a memorable match on the grand stage. So while Lesnar and Gunther is off the table for this year's WrestleMania, the match could still up happening, still end up happening somewhere down the line within the next calendar year when Gunther is a little bit more established. Will it be for the Intercontinental title? No, because Gunther will not be the Intercontinental champion Sheamus will be the Intercontinental Champion by the time WrestleMania comes to an end. Now, while he may not see Gunther on Brock's level right now, the feeling amongst many is that Triple H is a huge fan of what Gunther is doing. Triple H has gone on record before to call Gunther an incredible wrestler, and Triple H's love for Gunther has been evidenced by his booking since becoming the guy who's run WWE Creative. Things need to line up before we get Gunther to that final boss phase. He will drop the Intercontinental Championship, and I've said this, though it's going to be a triple threat match, more than likely at WrestleMania between Sheamus, Gunther, and Drew McIntyre, I would absolutely have Sheamus pin Gunther to win the Intercontinental title. Now, you're probably thinking, well, if Drew McIntyre is being added to that match, why don't Sheamus pin Drew? No. You need the visual of Gunther being pinned by Sheamus to give him the Intercontinental title, a title that he's never won before. So that's what I'm doing. Number two, you take that situation, and Gunther is going to be so protected at that point that that loss, his first loss, is going to bounce off him like he's wearing fucking unpenetrable armor. It's not going to matter. Sheamus will pin him. The bullet will bounce off of him. He will not be harmed in any way creatively. He'll go into the summer and right in Saudi Arabia, come May, we have this event called King of the Ring, tailor-made for somebody like Gunther to win the entire thing. A ring general winning King of the Ring? 
I mean, it goes hand in hand. Now, this year, there are several candidates that could be great King of the Ring, you know, winners. L.A. Knights, Gunther, Chad Gable, Montez Ford, guys like that. Ricochet. So we could, Drew McIntyre, we could see a, a whole open field of people win the King of the Ring. But it's absolutely tailor-made for somebody like Gunther to win the King of the Ring. Now, what do the King and Queen get when they win? More than likely a championship match of their choice for a WWE or Universal Championship. Monday Night Raw Women's or SmackDown Women's Championship. Depending on if there's two championships by the time we get to King of the Ring. I don't know. We don't know if Roman's going to have those titles after WrestleMania. We don't know if Cody's going to have them. If Cody has them, are they going to split them? Is Raw going to get the WWE title back? We don't know. There are discussions of that, but nobody knows what WWE is going to do for sure. But the whole process is getting Gunther to a final boss stage. Winning King of the Ring after dropping the Intercontinental title is a great way to go and do that. And if he wins King of the Ring, he's the number one contender, theoretically, for the WWE or Universal Championships. So he goes into SummerSlam challenging whomever the champion may be, Cody Rhodes, possibly. And then he wins the World Championship. At that point, he has achieved final boss status. He goes on to have a dominating reign. Maybe we get Gunther and Brock Lesnar next year's WrestleMania, not for the Intercontinental Championship, but when Gunther's slayed several on his way to WrestleMania after winning the King of the Ring and becoming a champion that people fear. Maybe we get Brock showing up at WrestleMania, challenging Gunther for the World Championship, and in that moment, Gunther slays the beast. You guys remember when Gunther lost the NXT UK Championship to Ilya Dragunov at the last show that he was on when he was down there, one of the NXT pay-per-views? Remember that match last year? Remember the visual of Ilya Dragunov standing over Gunther after a fucking colossal, mega fucking five-star match that they had. He stood over him like he took a fucking sword out of the dragon's heart and stood there with the NXT UK Championship over Gunther's lifeless body. That's exactly the visual that we need with Brock and Gunther at WrestleMania. And that cannot happen if Gunther is a mid-level, middle-of-the-game, middle-of-the-road mini-boss. We need him to be the final boss and let's get him there by, by following these steps and having him slay the beast as the beast challenges him. You want to come into my fucking kingdom? I'm going to slay you at WrestleMania, and that's the lasting image that we need to see. That's what Triple H is talking about. Not that he doesn't want to push Gunther. Not that he doesn't see Gunther as a main event guy. They see Gunther as a main event guy. But he's not there yet because he hasn't went through the steps to get there. I'm excited about that because... Ever since Gunther was on NXT and got called up to the main roster, I think legitimately everybody that watched him wrestle for the last five years on NXT television saw this type of WWE competitor. Now we're getting it. And Triple H has it. And Triple H is in control, just like he was when he was in charge of black and gold. Triple H is not going to waste this one, and he's not going to make a mistake on something that he saw as absolutely fucking, you can't go wrong with that. That's what that means. I'm very excited to see where they go with Gunther. There is more happening behind the scenes right now with Vince McMahon. No shit. 
No shit. Why don't we tell that to Fightful? That doesn't really want to open up about that. Dave Meltzer appeared on Sunday night's main event podcast to talk about the latest news in pro wrestling, including Vince McMahon's visit to Raw when he was supposed to be there to visit John Cena, and he ended up sitting in gorilla position. Meltzer talked about the public reason given for McMahon's visit. Meltzer said that he was told by someone in the company that McMahon was there for other reasons. Meltzer said this on McMahon visiting Cena. That's what they want you to believe. No shit. That's what they want you to believe. They shilled out that excuse to the dirt sheets, and the dirt sheets were like, oh, yes, 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 WWE PR. Please don't take our interviews away from us. Please don't take our access to the scrums away from us. WWE said something. They got on their knees and said, thank you. Thank you very much. Yes, yes, we'll do what you say. Triple H was in charge, Meltzer says. But I mean, he has an influence on stuff now. And Triple H has even said so that he talks to Vince McMahon. They talk about it. Triple H is one... The one in charge, but Vince offers his opinion. This is what is wrong with the WWE product right now. I'm not getting all Triple H. You're not getting all Triple H. You're getting 50% Triple H and 50% Vince McMahon. The clashing of both creatives is not good television. You're getting the best of one and the worst of one, which then means WWE is only operating at 50% of where they should be. It's not what I want to watch on weekly television. Triple H's influence should be spread on Monday and on Friday. He may have some say on what happens on Monday, but SmackDown is where I finally see Triple H come into his own. That's where we see Triple H kind of express his creative freedom. And that's natural, Melcher says. I talked to somebody there And you know about, like that night, it was just like, that's what they want you to believe with Vince McMahon being there visiting John Cena. But, you know, Levesque is the one in charge, and he's the one giving all the orders and everything like that. But Vince was there, and whatever that means long run, who knows, we'll see. Meltzer was then asked if it's possible that Cena was the only reason why he was there. Meltzer responded, And I quote, I'm just kind of told it's more than that. When I said that's what they want you to believe, that means that there's more to it with him being there in Gorilla than they're letting you on. There's been a lot of speculation that some of the changes in recent weeks to WrestleMania have happened because of Vince, and many have pointed to the Omos and Brock Lesnar match as something that has Vince's fingerprints. Not just that. Bray Wyatt, Bobby Lashley, some of the Cody Rhodes stuff, Lita and Trish Stratus being on the show. That is all Vince McMahon. Triple H even said he yields phone calls weekly with Vince, and Vince offers his opinion. Vince should not be giving his opinion. That's not what we were told as a consumer of the product. You can't have Nick Khan, the CEO of the company, go on various interviews and say, well, Vince is only back to sell the company. And then we hear shit like this. It's not a good look. If Vince is back to sell the company, he should have nothing to do with creative. 
But Nick Khan is on the show saying that, and then we hear Vince is backstage sitting with the headset on in Gorilla. And then you line all this other shit up. Well, that's not a Triple H thing. I can't really see Triple H doing that. Well, this feels different from what we saw in September. What the fuck is going on here? What do you think, people are stupid? I'm not stupid. I watch the show more intently than you do. I watch the show more intently than most people do. I see the things that you may not be looking for. That's why you're here. Then there was another story. See, this is where things, this is where things get really, really jaded in the community. Meltzer says this. I believe Dave a thousand percent on this. Because Dave, what does Dave have to lose? What is Dave, what is Dave gonna go out there and lose by saying, yeah, that there's more to it than what they want you to believe or what they're telling you? Then we get Sports Illustrated. Another paid WWE source. Sports Illustrated, like they're gonna fucking, they're gonna lie to you, right? They're, they're gonna, they're gonna, you know, take the WWE thing and take the WWE excuse and then fucking not say what WWE wants them to say. Sports Illustrated is gonna go out there and shill you whatever WWE wants them to shill. That's the type of publication that they are. So the story about John Cena being backstage in Boston, there was a consensus that there might have been more to that, more to that than what WWE wanted you believe. A new report coming in from Sports Illustrated has provided the following. Justin Barrasso wrote via Sports Illustrated that he spoke with multiple people who were backstage who said McMahon purposely stayed out of the way. I can guarantee you that the people Justin Barrasso had access to are a lot different than the people Dave Meltzer spoke to. The people that Dave Meltzer spoke to, those are the people lower on the totem pole that are going to tell Dave exactly what's going on. The people that Justin Barrasso spoke to, they'll be a little bit more higher up in the totem pole because WWE is never going to fucking give Dave Meltzer in a dirt sheet the legit truth. Justin Barrasso and the people that Justin Barrasso spoke to are going to be a little bit more higher on the totem pole, which that means the more higher on the totem pole that it is, the more bullshit that you're going to be fed. It's just the nature of the beast. I don't believe a fucking word out of this story. Purposely stayed out of the way. That's why we got four one-minute matches, and we got Johnny Gargano being called small, and we got Chad Gable being called short and ugly. He purposely stayed out of the way. Sure thing. Dave Meltzer reported that McMahon was in Gorilla all night, which is something that Sports Illustrated sources backed up. But McMahon reportedly sat front and center in the middle of Paul Levesque and Bruce Pritchard. So we got Bruce on one side, which I'm sure he was happier than pig and shit. Oh, You know, Bruce is happier than every, anybody. He's happier than anybody that Vince McMahon's sitting there. He's like, ah, oh, things are back to normal. And we got Triple H. So despite this, it was said that he was not wearing a headset. But we were told that he was wearing a headset and sitting in Gorilla. He was not wearing a headset and he actually just spent most of the night on his cell phone. Sure thing. 
Who's Vince McMahon talking to on his cell phone that he can't talk to when he leaves the building or at the hotel room or in his fucking condo in Stanford or in the limousine on the way home? Who's he talking to? When wrestlers came to Gorilla for advice from management, specifically Triple H, it was said that McMahon hardly even raised his head and never offered any insight. Sure thing, man. Man of many words. Uh, a man that weasels himself in and out of situations. Now you want me to believe Vince McMahon's got nothing to say and he hardly raised his head. This is the guy that sat at home for six months and contemplated every single hour of every single day on how he could get back in there, blew up the board of directors, changed bylaws, fired board of directors, hired Michelle Wilson and George Barrios back, told the, the stockholders and the shareholders you don't fucking need them anymore, unanimously voted him to stay away, only for them to unanimously vote him to come back. And you mean, you want me to believe that Vince offered zero insight and didn't pick up his head at all in Gorilla, and he stayed there like this in Gorilla on his fucking phone. Give me a fucking break on this garbage. I don't believe that for a single solitary fucking second. You gotta be a complete idiot if you believe this story. They want Sports Illustrated. They want Sports Illustrated to put this story out because everybody's concerned. Oh my God, Vince is back. They want Sports Illustrated. A publication like Sports Illustrated put this out. So people think, oh, Sports Illustrated said it. It can't be that bad. If they say it, Vince is not really having any sort of say in anything. Like I said, the people Meltzer talked to they are on the lower end of the totem pole. They'll tell Dave what exactly is going on. Sports Illustrated, those are the types of people that get closer to the higher end of the totem pole, and they are usually the ones that are feeding Sports Illustrated bullshit. No doubt about it. Vince was not backstage on Raw in Providence, Rhode Island. I'm going to stop the podcast for just a second, guys. Raging Girl Gamer with a $500 super chat tonight on OTS. Oh my goodness, man. Gonna take uh, a little bit here to read what Rage has to say. OTS fam and JD, I'm tired. You may not see me anymore. I'm in a position where I don't know how to deal with it. Never lost anyone close to me, and now it's about to happen soon. Love you guys. JD, you inspired me to do a lot of things, and I may give up. I need time to think, but you deserve this. <clears throat> Give me a second, guys. Um, 
Rage. Uh, first of all, I I, th I thank you. I thank you. Number two. I know how difficult it is to to lose uh, a loved one. Everybody grieves in their own way. But the one thing that I suggest that you do is surround yourself with loved ones in, in this moment because if you don't do that, things are going to be a lot worse for you. You're going to feel that sadness. You're going to feel that depression. The one thing that I, that I truly urge you to do is to not give up on everything you've built with your YouTube channel. The one thing I urge you to do is not give up on being here. I never ask, I never ask for anybody to donate to the show. Ever. I don't give a shit. You guys do it because you want to. I will never ask for anything. I just want you to be here. You need, you need to be here. The most, valuable, the most valuable thing to me is if you're in the chat, I don't care. Everything else is, everything else is unimportant to me. I know you're about to lose your mom, and, I, and, and I, trust me, fuck cancer. Fuck it. I don't know what's going to go on with my grandmother. You know, I could be in the same situation there. But you need to be here. You need to be around people that are going to give you the strength to make sure that you're okay and give you the strength to continue pushing on through this dark time and this tough time. Because you got a lot of people here that love you. You got a lot of people that are here I know I'm a little I'm a little iffy with the DMs on Twitter. I don't usually I don't usually get to everybody immediately. Terrible with that. I'm terrible with emails. But if you need you need me, you, there are several ways to reach out to me. DM on Twitter. Reach out to me via email. My email is in the fucking Twitter bo uh, bio. You got Jesse. You got Hooligram. You got Otis. You got half of the fucking mo you got uh, Guardian. You got you got people here, and I know they're a part of your community too because I've seen them. Don't go nowhere. The last thing I want to hear from you is you don't know how to deal with it, and that we're not going to see you anymore. The most important thing to me that you said is that I inspired you. I don't really understand that. I still don't grasp that after all these years of what I mean to people or what I use this, what I do here, you know, how it means to people and what it does to actually get people through their day. I'll never understand it. I'm grateful for that type of thing. You say that I deserve the, 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 the super chat. You deserve to be here because you deserve the love and support from this community that we've built up together. So the last thing I want to hear from you is 
that you're not going to be here anymore. There's one thing I ask you to do. It's not to go anywhere. Hooligrim is already telling you in the chat that he's going to text you. We love your rage. We appreciate you. And I, I could never thank you for the years of support that you've given the show. Everything's going to be all right. It's going to suck. I'm not going to tell you it's not. It's going to suck. This is shit that we have to go through as human beings. I'm already fearing the worst with my own situation. I got a cat that's got kidney disease that sleeps right next to me every show. Who knows how long she's going to last? I'll be fucking a puddle of of fucking tears when this happens. We're going to have to deal with it. We deal with it in our own ways. I'm going to be inconsolable for, for, for weeks. But that doesn't mean you don't have people that, lo- that, that, that love you here and that want you here and, and support you and want to help you get through it the best way that they can. If you guys are listening to this on, uh, on YouTube uh, live now, if you guys are listening to it on Apple or Spotify and uh, you're a little annoyed by, by the break in the news and the whole flow of the show, I apologize, but when you get a $500 super chat that kind of just emits that type of emotion, man, you know, you got you to just put a pulse to everything that's going on right now. Um, I appreciate your rage. Thank you. I mean, just make sure that you're here. There's one thing I ask. Just make sure that you're here. We ain't going anywhere. You know where to find us. <clears throat> So like I said, Sports Illustrated is the type of publication that's going to fit right into WWE's agenda and their narrative and push out exactly what WWE wants. It's just, it's just like I said, the nature of the beast. WWE knows how to get their narrative out there, man, and they got people that will do anything that they ask. And it happens with certain journalists in the community, too. Just the way it is. L.A. Knight. Let's shift gears to L.A. Knight. L.A. Knight, one of the best things about WWE television. I've been asking for more L.A. Knight. It looks like we are going to get more L.A. Knight. There's been a lot of talk about L.A. Knight as of late. He showed up on Monday Night Raw and uh, basically made a case for himself that he wants a WrestleMania moment because you can't have a WrestleMania in Los Angeles without L.A. Knight. So Cody Rhodes challenged L.A. Knight on Monday Night Raw. Very good TV match. I'd like to see a little bit more of them in the future. And sources are now reporting that people in positions of power in WWE are very happy with his work and are very happy with the crowd reactions he's getting at the live events. Knight was one of the names brought back by several, uh, back several months ago by Triple H, so he was brought back, uh, and they immediately, when Triple H took over, changed him back to L.A. Knight. Vince had him operating under the name of Max Dupree, leading the Maximum Male Models. That was a dead gimmick. L.A. Knight knew it was going nowhere, and it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. They had this thing that they needed to take people from NXT and change their names because it wasn't a Vince McMahon or Bruce Pritchard creation. So Triple H... You know, loves L.A. Knight, brought back by Triple H. And the belief amongst those that are reporting this is that Triple H wants to do more with L.A. Knight after WrestleMania. Now, nobody knows if this means he's, he's going to be in line for a title match or a title program 
But it's worth noting that after the Cody Rhodes match, clearly they got big plans for him. And with the King of the Ring coming up, people are already speculating that he could be potentially the winner of the King of the Ring. Uh, Money in the Bank is going to be at the O2 in the UK. People are already speculating that that is a heel shtick. That is a heel gimmick, and he would be perfect for that as well. Mr. Money in the Bank, LA Knight. I mean, we could be looking at Gunther winning the King of the Ring and LA Knight winning Money in the Bank, man. A one-two combo that I think is unbelievable for WWE on the heel side of things. Bigger push for LA Knight, man. I'm all for it. You see the crowd reactions that he gets? Do you see the crowd reactions that this man gets? I mean, people are chanting in unison when he does, yeah. It's a great thing to see. And he's gotten over on his own. He's gotten over because he just emits cool. He's different than everybody else on the WWE roster. On that heel side. He's just cool. People want to like him. Can't wait to see more of LA Knight. Speaking of LA Knight, there have been pitches for LA Knight to have a WrestleMania match against Stone Cold Steve Austin. Fightful Select is reporting that there is news about LA Knight's name being pitched for a Stone Cold Steve Austin match at WrestleMania. Now, the rumor was making the rounds on social media for a couple of weeks. I don't know if it was actually legitimate news or if people were just fantasy booking, but sites like WrestlingNews.co hinted at this on Twitter as well. WWE never confirmed it to Fightful. Now, there's no confirmation that Austin versus Knight is happening, but it's interesting that Austin is in tremendous shape right before WrestleMania, and he's left the door open to wrestling again. As of late, Knight has been talking about making his own path to WrestleMania, and as of this writing from Fightful, an opponent has not been named for him. If Austin does not agree to return, then there might be a spot open for LA Knight if Bray Wyatt is not able to wrestle at WrestleMania. That's exactly where I was going with that. I mean, LA Knight versus Bobby Lashley is not really something that I desire to see, but if Bobby Lashley has no WrestleMania opponent and LA Knight's looking for a way into WrestleMania, I mean, the door is right open there. Is it a match that people want? No, but it would get LA Knight on the card. The other thing is if they want to do Austin in some which way at WrestleMania, I mean, Austin doesn't need to be advertised for a match. LA Knight could show up like John Cena did all those years, and he called out The Undertaker, right? The Undertaker just left him on, you know, on red, theoretically, and John Cena showed up to WrestleMania sitting amongst the crowd. And then The Undertaker came out the day of WrestleMania. LA Knight could do something like that as well, where he's lobbying to be on WrestleMania. He wants management to do something about it. I'm going to be at WrestleMania. You guys are going to find me an opponent. I'm calling out anybody. This is LA Knight's moment. LA Knight could get to WrestleMania. You hear the glass shatter at WrestleMania on either night one or night two, and then we get an impromptu match or some sort of segment where we just get LA Knight being, uh, I guess, confronted by Stone Cold. He gets stunned in the middle of the ring, and they build this up for maybe a Saudi match or maybe next year's WrestleMania. Who the fuck knows? But that could be a WrestleMania moment in itself, being stunned by Stone Cold Steve Austin after being, you know, the guy who called management out and they never answered his call. I don't know. It would be pretty shitty if LA Knight doesn't have a legit match, but, I mean, we're, we're nearing the uh, end of the line here. It's March 16th. 
How much of a match are you expecting out of LA Knight? What type of feud are you expecting out of WWE for LA Knight with three weeks left to go? Two weeks left to go. It's not much you could do. Their options are pretty much thin at this point. Shifting gears to AEW. Some talent does not want to work for the company. I don't need a report to know this. I don't. You could just get the sense, you can just get the feeling of watching the show that some people have not been used. There are people on TV that are being used that should not be used, and there are people that are not being used at all. I mean, anybody's first thought would be, Jesus Christ, what are they thinking? Do they want out? Are they happy? How do they feel about not being used? They're mostly on dark, but not on on dynamite. I mean, you just get a sense of that. that. That's a logical question to be asked. If you're not on TV and you, and you see somebody like Jeff Jarrett on TV and getting title shots on a weekly basis. So this all started coming out of last night's Dynamite when Tony Khan put all four pillars in the ring at the same time. MJF, Jungle Boy, Darby Allin, and Sammy Guevara. Darby Allin suggested this on Dynamite last night and pointed out that there are an abundance of current AEW talent who were openly unhappy with their status in the company. Now, Dave Meltzer talked about this because he heard this on Dynamite Wednesday and stated that there are several AEW stars that don't want to be a part of the company with many not shy of the fact, as Darby pointed out in his promo. Meltzer spoke of Darby's promo and the problem addressing it on TV and the problem that it presents. He says, and I quote, with the whole thing of Darby Allen talking about it, all these guys complain, all these guys want to leave and everything like that. Okay, that's true. But to talk about it on your own television show, basically by doing that, you're telling people that you're the secondary company. We've seen this since May when this really started happening and it's done the company no good. On the unhappy AEW talent in particular, Meltzer said a combination of a lack of fear of repercussions as well as poor attitude from select ex-WWE talent is the issue. One of the weakness with AEW, two things. Number one is that so much of the talent complains publicly, which makes the company look real bad because there's no fear. There's people who don't want to be there and sign contracts because they didn't think WWE wanted them. And then they had... Some people have the WWE attitude coming in, and some people don't. Some people from WWE are tremendous assets to this company, and some people have been anything but that, and it's a case-by-case basis. There are several AEW stars who have reportedly wanted to leave the company in recent months to potentially go back and work for Triple H and WWE with names rumored including Malachi Black and Andrade El Idolo. Malachi is a trios champion with the House of Black right now, and Andrade... Seemingly, if you follow him on social media, has been training for a comeback, whether that's for AEW or elsewhere, that remains to be seen. Meltzer also believes that by pointing out these things on your own product, it only serves to paint AEW as the inferior product. He says, the fan base has gotten softer. They're not as into it as they were because they're being told before then, it was like, we're going to be number one or we're the better product, but they're the older product. We're the younger, cooler product and all this. 
Now it's like everyone wants to be in WWE. Half our guys want to be there or tease they want to be there. And we're the product with the guys that either aren't good enough to be there or the few guys who don't want to be here. End quote. While Darby's comments were newsworthy, Meltzer also was critical of Jungle Boy's comments on MJF, saying that MJF never worked dark, elevation, or rampage, making them seem more lesser shows to dynamite. I actually said this on the show last night when Jesse and I were discussing this. I said, don't you think that by Jungle Boy claiming MJF never wrestled on rampage, dark, or elevation before he was world champion, that the fact that he never worked those shows kind of makes those shows less than if MJF doesn't want to work those shows, what the fuck did that say? And MJF's the most, he's the crown jewel of the company. Meanwhile, you got Cody who's worked those shows. You've gotten Kenny Omega who's worked those shows. You got all the elite that's worked those shows. Moxley has worked those shows. Brian has worked those shows, but MJF don't. Is MJF better than everybody? Is MJF more valuable than all the names that I just mentioned? No. Is MJF the type of guy where he doesn't want to work those shows? Is that a valid enough opinion on what those shows mean to the company if he doesn't want to work those shows? Yes. Yes. This was before he was the world champion. I don't expect the world champion to show up on Dark or Elevation. But he's the world champion. I mean, Punk showed up on Rampage. He worked Rampage. But MJF can't be bothered to work Rampage. Doesn't paint those shows as, hey, this show is important enough to us that MJF wants to be here. I said this last night. I had no idea Meltzer said this. I don't listen. I, clearly, I didn't listen to Meltzer. I said it last night while everybody else was still getting their bearings together about what they just watched. Meltzer does his show the following morning. Now, the idea about the company having talent that doesn't want to be there and the report cited poor attitude and lack of repercussions or lack of fear. Yes. But these talents are stupid enough to think that Triple H is completely in charge. You know, things are different now. You know, this is not like it was last year when the company itself was imploding with the CM Punk elite situation. Where Sammy Guevara and Eddie Kingston were getting into backstage brawls and uh, Sammy Guevara and Andrade were getting into backstage brawls and Miro was, you know, crying on social media. Malachi wanted his release. You know, th this, this is not then. The landscape has changed very drastically from less than a year ago. You know, all these talents that wanted to go back to WWE, they may not be thinking that now. And to be quite honest with you, I don't know why you would want to put all your eggs into that WWE basket even now. There is more uncertainty in WWE now than there was in August. So why would you want to go back there? Triple H is not completely in charge. I don't give a fuck what Sports Illustrated says or what SAP says or what these other guys say. He's not completely in charge. So you, theoretically, realistically, possibly, may be walking back into a situation where it's the same as when you were there last when they fired you. Why would you want to walk back into that situation with a uncertainty looming with Vince McMahon still having his hand in the cookie jar? Why would you want to go back there with the uncertainty of the company being sold? We don't know who the company's being sold to. We don't know if it's being sold to somebody here in the United States, like an Endeavor or a Netflix or a, a Comcast or an NBCU or whoever else, Disney. 
We don't know. We don't know if it's going to be somebody that's not going to stand for Vince McMahon bullshit or if it's going to be sold to the Saudis. That's also looming over everybody's thought process about where they want to go work and spend the rest of their days and their careers. Do you want to go work for the WWE owned by the Saudi government? I don't think that's going to be a good look. You're going to have people in WWE that don't want to work there knowing that the company was sold to the Saudis. Why the fuck would you want to go back there? Additionally, you know, everybody, this talent that don't want to work for AEW anymore, you know, I could say the same thing on these guys that I would say about the WWE. You know, the grass is not always greener on the other side. How many people do you think WWE is going to be able to push on five hours of television across three hours of Raw and two hours of SmackDown? They can't hire everybody. They got an overloaded roster right now, and they're in the middle of a split brand split. There's two separate brands. Monday Night Raw is seeing the same fucking matches every goddamn week. You think you're going to interrupt that flow over there? No. SmackDown's only two hours. You think you're going to get in over there and get some TV time weekly every single week? No. So no matter your desire to go back to WWE because Triple H is there, he can't take any more people. If he does, then more than likely... It opens up WWE to get back into the swing of things of releasing talent. And we don't want them to do that again. And then we're right back to square one. We're subtracting by addition. We're going to take these people that AEW clearly, you know, isn't interested in pushing and they're unhappy being there. We'll take them in, but we got to get rid of some people here. And where are those guys going to go? The the, the talent that WWE let go, where are they going to go? Most of them are going to go to AEW. They'll be on Dark, and then some of them will be on Dynamite, and some of them will be on Rampage, and then the whole cycle begins again. Then you're right back in the same boat where these people now are complaining, wanting out. You'll be the fucking ones complaining. Why ain't I getting enough TV time? Well, they just fired you over there, and you opted to come over here because it was your only option. AEW right now is people's only option. WWE has their own problems. A lack of leadership has always been a problem here. Always. Tony Khan, has he gotten better? I don't know. He's done things that have been, yes, thumbs up. Finally, he's acted like a leader. But has he done things long-term to really make me say, Tony Khan, Tony Khan, I, I get is a great boss. I feel like he's a great boss. He's the type of guy that'll... Drink with you after a hard day's work. He'll love, you know, everything you're doing. He's open. He's honest. He's accessible. That's the type of guy I feel Tony Khan is. And I truly believe he is. But is he a leader? Is he a leader like Triple H? Not to diminish anything that Tony Khan has done, but he's not the type of guy that Triple H is leading his company. Triple H is grade A professional. Tony Khan, a little rough around the edges when dealing with the media and dealing with PR. He says things that Triple H never in a thousand years would say. Is he a leader? No. Tony Khan is more of a brother, a friend, than he is a boss. That's where the lack of fear comes from. These people can go on social media, and these people can cry on social media and say, I don't want to be here. What's going on? I want out. Yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. What's going to happen? Is Tony Khan going to say something to them? No. No. He lets them do whatever they want. 
They don't have a grasp on that type of thing. Tony Khan will react the way Tony Khan does. Petty. Miro said something. Lana said something. CJ, his wife, said something about going back to WWE. Since then, have we seen Miro on Dynamite? No. Tony Khan can be a petty bitch when he wants to. I still feel Miro is being punished for what his wife said about them maybe going back to WWE when all is said and done. Why would Tony Khan want to invest in somebody like that and make them a company guy when their first inkling is, yeah, I'm just going to work here and then go back to Triple H? He's not going to do that. So yes, he's going to act that way. He'll fucking bury you quietly. That's why they don't want to be there. Maybe you should shut the fuck up. Maybe you should speak to Tony one-on-one. Maybe you'd have a better a, a better line to get on TV if you talked to him directly instead of crying about why you're not on TV on social media. But yes, some of these people fear that they can say, or don't fear rather, they, they have no fear where they can go out on social media because if they don't get on TV, they're being paid, right? They got guaranteed money coming to them. I'll sit my contract out and then I'll go back over there. Or if they say something and they don't want to be there, they'll say it in hopes of getting fired or released and then go back over there. But Tony is just burying them quietly. You know, they have no value. It's the WWE method. Take them off TV, let them set out their contract, their name value diminishes, nobody gives a shit about them, hasn't heard from them in months. We'll uh, release them or let their contract run out and then what, what are they worth? What are they worth to us? We're in control. Tony Khan's in control. What is Miro worth now? Zero. Who gives a shit? There needs to be more of a leadership in AEW. Jericho has uh, leveled up. Moxley's leveled up. Brian's leveled up. There needs to be leadership there, but they're not running the company. Tony Khan's the boss. Tony Khan makes the final decisions. There are legitimate concerns about Roxanne Perez. Former NXT Women's Champion. She's no longer the Women's Champion. Vacated the belt as of Tuesday via Shawn Michaels on Twitter. On March 7th, she wrestled Mako Satomura, and after the match, Roxanne Perez collapsed after the match and was taken away in an ambulance. The collapse in ambulance angle was a storyline, but it sounds like there might be a legitimate reason for Perez being written off the show, and that was the cover-up for it. Melcher said this in regards to Roxanne Perez. The reason it's so vague is because the actual situation really is so vague. They actually don't know what exactly is going on. So until they do, they kind of have to go in there, well, we don't know if she's stripped of the title, just a bunch of things going on. What I was told was it's a vague situation in the sense that hopefully there's nothing wrong, but there might be. I thought this was a work, to be honest with you. She didn't faint after the match. That was an angle, a cover-up story for something else that may or may not be going on, and they don't know exactly. So therefore, they did the Shawn Michaels angle. I don't know what it is. I was just told that it's a cover-up story for something, and they don't know exactly what it is. So therefore, it's a vague story because the actual situation is vague. Gotta love Dave Meltzer's quotes, huh? There had quite clearly been building to Roxanne Perez defending the title in a singles match against Tiffany Stratton at Stand and Deliver as of last week prior to this angle. So the plans obviously have changed. 
And now there is a ladder match to crown a new women's champion at the pay-per-view stand and deliver. Right now, Zoe Stark and Gigi Dolan have qualified for this ladder match. And nobody knows how many other people will be joining them at stand and deliver. Listen, man, you know, nobody knows. Uh, people are going to be speculating, of course, just like they do everything else. Is it a legitimate injury that she suffered in the match? Is it a legitimate injury she had coming into the match? Is it something mental? You know, mental health is a is a big, big deal nowadays. Is it something at the young age that they kind of put on her? Uh, again, I don't want to speculate, but, you know, it, if I'm 21 years old, I, I would probably be feeling fucking overwhelmed as fuck. You know, here you are. Here's the NXT championship. Mandy Rose is going to be fired. We're going to make you the, the, the queen of this division at 21 years old. Maybe the burden of that filling the void for somebody like Mandy who held the championship for a year. Maybe it broke her down to a point where she was just stressed out. I don't know. I don't know. Again, I don't want to speculate, but at the end of the day, she is so valuable to the WWE women's division. She's going to be, she's going to be a keeper. She's great. And I hope she gets better, whatever it is. I legitimately thought this was all an angle. I thought this was an angle to set up the Stratton match with Tiffany Stratton winning the championship, which may still be the plan at Stand and Deliver. I don't know who else should win that title. Tiffany Stratton's the one that should be the champion. I honestly believe it's going to go Tiffany Stratton winning the championship. Nikita Lyons comes back. Nikita Lyons and Tiffany Stratton's the match you build when Nikita Lyons comes back from injury. And then Nikita Lyons is the champion. Tiffany Stratton gets called up. It's just a nice cycle. Nikita Lyons gets some time with the championship. Hopefully she stays healthy. She builds her resume. She gets better at what she does. She gets called up. Got two talented ladies there. So we'll see what happens. I hope she's all right. Too valuable to be injured so early on in her career, especially with Mandy Rose just being let go by WWE not too long ago. And now the title that was taken off her had to be put on Roxanne, and Roxanne now had to vacate the title. It's like the women's title's cursed. It's like that women's division is cursed. Dragon Lee. We saw him on NXT a couple of weeks ago. I said Dragon Lee versus Wesley for the North American Championship would be something that we should see at Stand and Deliver. Clearly, that's not the direction of where it's going to go. But Dragon Lee still may be added to a North American Championship match as Wesley will be defending that in a multi-man match at the pay-per-view. But Dragon Lee is hoping for a main roster call-up after his time in NXT. Now, Dragon Lee is a big deal. It was a massive signing for NXT. It really is a signing that could change the feeling of the brand, namely considering he had, you know, that indie style, that luchador style. It's something that we're not seeing on NXT 2.0 or this NXT 3.0 version. We're not seeing guys like Dragon Lee on that show. Now, Dragon Lee's brother, Roosh, is in AEW, and Lee himself appearing for the company previously in a trios match alongside Roosh and Andrade against the Elite. Lee's move to WWE surprised a lot of people because everybody thought he'd probably just end up in AEW with his brother. Now, while in AEW around the same time as Lee's signing, AEW had scooped up their own uh, luchador, uh, their own Mexican star, Bandito, who has not been on TV in months. And the last I heard, it was a visa issue. Now, Meltzer on Wrestling Observer has been discussing both Bandito and Lee's future in their respective companies. Dragon Lee and Bandito are basically starting at around the same time, and both are equally talented. Both are super talented guys. I think Bandito's got a little bit more charisma, but Dragon Lee's almost the same. 
It'll be interesting over the next year who made the right choice. Probably, I would say, if you put a gun to my head, I'm going to say Dragon Lee's probably the one that made the right choice. Because Bandito, he could be great. He could be he could be great in AEW. I just don't really see the 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 I would say the urge of Tony Khan to get Bandito on television. Those though those are the types of guys that should be competing for Orange Cassidy's international championship. Guys like that. Guys like Roosh. I don't know why they're not on TV competing for titles like that. Stories revolving around titles like that, including those guys. When discussing Lee in particular, Meltzer questioned Lee starting out in NXT rather than going to the main roster and how this will affect his success. Dragon Lee is going to get a lot of TV time, but he's also banking on the idea of making it to the main roster in one year and making money because in NXT, you know, he's not making a lot of money. It's not big money, but he's also not going to starve. He's making money. And then Bandito, who's got a regular contract where he's making better money than Dragon Lee, I'm sure, but is he going to be used in a meaningful fashion over the next year? Well, if he started out the way he did, probably not. Lee made his first WWE appearance on last Tuesday's NXT Roadblock event where he was seen in the crowd and later interviewed backstage by Mackenzie Mitchell. I didn't, I actually didn't see the Mackenzie Mitchell interview, but I saw him on the show as I watched the show and I reviewed the show, uh, and I did that last week. I'm excited to see what they do with him. It could be a transcending signing for NXT. It could usher in a new wave of talent. If Dragon Lee goes to NXT and succeeds on NXT, it could open up the door for talents like that to say, you know what, maybe NXT isn't as bad as I remember it being only a year ago, and maybe this gives WWE the itch to go out and sign more indie talent like Dragon Lee to fill that show with so we can get rid of this whatever the fucking stink is on that show. It's not good. On many weeks, it's not good. There are things I like about the show. There are guys I like in that men's division. There are ladies that I like in that women's division. But the overall cohesiveness of the show for two hours is not my cup of tea. It's just garbage. The writing sucks. The the crowd sucks. That performance center sucks. Commentary sucks. The lighting sucks. Everything about the writing in their promo sucks. I don't know. I don't know. You guys may feel differently. I, I mean, I, I can't I can't get past all the fucking wrong with the show because it's not what I remember it being and it's not what I envisioned. I mean, Vince is not there anymore running the show. Shawn Michaels should know better. Why are we still stuck on NXT being an extension of Vince's vision? That's all it is. Nothing's really changed. The logo color may have changed, but the vibe of the show has not changed. It's not. What is changing is Pete Dunne. This actually shocked the shit out of me. Butch is going to be no more. Triple H wants Dunne back with his NXT gimmick on the main roster. WrestleVotes told Give Me Sport that Butch is set to revert to his old gimmick, something Triple H originally planned to do last year before the brawling brutes got over and plans were pushed back. Now plans are back in place for Butch to return to his old character. Now we may find out why he hasn't been on TV for several weeks. Absolutely, says Russell Votes. I was told that's in the works. When Hunter came back, I was told that Pete Dunne was due to become Pete Dunne, but somebody said to wait because the Brawling Brutes were just starting to catch on. 
When Pete Dunne returns, it won't be as a member of the Brawling Brutes. I'm sure he'll be back by the end of this year. Nobody, nobody is going to have a problem with that. Now, I actually, I love the Brawling Brutes. I love the Brawling Brutes. It'll be very easy to change his name from Butch to Pete Dunne and keep him aligned with Sheamus and Ridge Holland. I think they're a great trio. I think they'd be a great tag team. I think they could do the singles thing together. They don't need to split up. I think the Brawling Brutes are very good together. But it all depends on where they go with Sheamus when he wins the Intercontinental title. But Butch, I mean, it, was, it wasn't going anywhere, ever. It was a Vince McMahon thing. I remember being at House of Glory, and I looked over at Solomon, sitting on commentary during intermission. I showed him my phone. I'm like, there's always something that happens when we have to be at a House of Glory show on Friday night. Look at this shit. Butch. I really, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. He came out as a fucking, he, he came out legitimately as a cartoon character. He came out as Scrappy-Doo. They, they had him fuck. let me at him, let me at him, Scoob. Reggie. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Pete Dunne is best for business. Plus, plus, I don't know what Triple H is thinking. He may be thinking long-term. You guys know the fucking absolute wars that they had together on NXT. Can you imagine when Gunther gets to final boss status? Can you imagine Pete Dunne versus Gunther again on the main roster reliving some NXT TakeOver Classics on pay-per-view? I mean, just take my money. Just take my money. Best for business, no doubt about it. John Cena, shifting gears here, man. We're wrapping up. We got a couple more stories, and then we'll get into the Super Chats. John Cena, apparently there is a John Cena match that was nixed off of the WrestleMania card in favor of Cena Theory, now is back on for SummerSlam. This is being reported by WrestlingNews.co. WWE planned to do Cena versus Logan Paul at WrestleMania, but plans changed. Paul had publicly expressed interest in doing the match with John Cena and even talked to Triple H about it after Crown Jewel following his match with Roman Reigns and after Cena acknowledged his performance on social media in that very match. Instead, Cena is slated to wrestle Theory while Logan Paul takes on Seth Rollins. I honestly think this is the right direction for all four guys going into WrestleMania. Now, while giving an interview to WrestleVotes, Give Me Sport is reporting via WrestleVotes that the match is still on the table to happen at SummerSlam. Logan loved the idea, and Cena was totally down with it. They'd have to make, you know, obviously the match happen at SummerSlam, being that it can't happen at WrestleMania, and they'd have mega money, and it's just a matter of when. They want to tell a good story because they're mega stars, so there's got to be a reason. The match is very much on the table at SummerSlam. All parties involved want to do it. Sign me up. Sign me up. But like I always say about what Triple H does, if he's going to do something like that at SummerSlam, there better be a reason why it needs to happen. Now, Seth Rollins and Logan Paul, you know, the story is very simple. It doesn't need to be overly complicated. The story is fine for them going into, to, into WrestleMania. Seth Rollins doesn't look, you know, 
at Logan Paul as somebody that deserves to be there. You're stealing, you know, somebody else's spot at WrestleMania, and you don't really give a shit about this industry anyway. You're just there for you. I don't want you in my business. I don't want you in my company. I don't want you in our industry. You're not the type of person that I look at who loves this business. Simple. Simple. So build off that. What Cena and Logan Paul are going to have, that remains to be seen. But I'm all for it. As long as there's a, a story there, I'm all for it. I, I Listen, it was one of the matches that I had pitched for WrestleMania. Cena Edge. Cena Theory. Cena versus Gunther. Cena versus Logan Paul. There were a ton of opponents for John Cena. It depended on where WWE wanted to go. But the match, Knicks for WrestleMania, on the table for SummerSlam, sign me up. I think it's a mega money match and something that's going to be incredibly big for WWE as far as spotlight, PR, and just that mainstream publicity. Nikki and Brie Bella changed their name, no longer using the Bella name owned by WWE. They have now changed their name to the Garcia Twins. As generic as that sounds, it may be dumb to some other people out there that they are abandoning the Bella name, but WWE own the Bella name. They own the Bella Twins. Now they're going by their real names. I appreciate them starting over. It must be very scary starting over on your own and moving away from a name that was created for you. You made your name in WWE. They got that platform because of WWE. They are where they are because of WWE. Now they're taking a chance on their own and existing outside of the WWE bubble on their own as themselves. I appreciate that. I can't sit here and, and tell you guys that I don't because I, I would not be genuine and honest with you because I said the same thing about Mercedes. I said the same thing about Mercedes Varnado. Mercedes Monet. How difficult was it for her to abandon a worldwide fucking absolutely megastar name and gimmick like Sasha Banks? WWE owned that name. She abandoned that, walked away from that, walked away from easy Sasha Banks to go be Mercedes Monet and start all over again and exist on her own with what she believes she possesses. She believes in herself so much from what she's learned over all these years, away from the Sasha Bank, never mind the name, everything else that she's come to know, love, and become knowledgeable of in the business. She's taken that and existing on her own and going out there and venturing off on her own. You got to appreciate that. Same thing with the Bella Twins. It may, it may sound stupid to some people, but I appreciate that. Now, they said that they are hanging it up. They said this with People magazine. Today, we are officially, from this point on, the Garcia twins, Brie and Nikki Garcia. When it comes time for them to renew their contract with the WWE, Nikki said that they just knew it was time to head into the next chapter. A lot of speculation ran wild about them going to WWE or uh, AEW, rather, from WWE. Um, Nikki and Bree obviously changing their name, being free of WWE, opened up the rumors that Tony Khan was going to bring them on in. People were spreading the narrative that they're going to join the outcasts, Soraya and Ruby and Tony Storm on AEW television. On Instagram Live, Nikki said that it seems that way because of everything being in the past. There's no hard feelings, and we are not 
going to AEW. Now, can you believe that? You know, uh, again, take it with a grain of salt. We could see them show up at the fucking pay-per-view for all we know. You know, Ty Valkyrie said the same thing. Oh, yeah, I'm not Jake Cargill's opponent, which was correct. I'm not going to be in Toronto to confront Jake Cargill. I'm going to be home with, uh, with John Morrison. But she ended up showing up on the show anyway. You know, wrestlers tend to uh, fabricate where they are going to be and where they're not going to be. Could they be in AEW? Sure. Do I want them in AEW? No. Keep them away. The Bella Twins in AEW or the Garcia Twins in AEW, yes, it brings with them a whole different audience. But I think if you bring two ladies like that into AEW, you're kind of foregoing and giving up the whole essence of why you even exist. Like, that is sports entertainment. You are not sports entertainment. People come to AEW to wrestle. Plus, I don't want to see Nikki Bella get in the ring when we got Paige or Soraya, who's got neck fusion surgery, Nikki does, to get in the ring and get involved with somebody like Jamie Hayter. God forbid. Nikki Bella was adequate at what she did. She wasn't terrible. But is that going to be a game changer for AEW? I mean, Soraya isn't even proving to be a game changer. So what the fuck you... Expect with uh, Nikki Bella coming to AEW. No. Keep them away. I honestly think that does more harm than good. And finally, guys, Ridge Holland. He received death threats after a year since Big E got hurt. I don't know why. I think the IWC are a bunch of, like Soraya said, fat neckbeard twats. The IWC is absolutely ridiculous, man. The injury happened a year ago where Rich Holland suplexed, overhead belly-to-belly suplex on Big E, landed right on his neck, fractured his C1 vertebrae and six C6, uh, six, uh, C6 uh, vertebrae. It was an accident. He did not do it on purpose. Rich Holland did not do it on purpose. Big E stated himself that he's got no ill will towards Rich Holland for the botch spot. Holland went to the hospital right after the injury, Happened, and he even, I believe the story was that, uh, I don't know if it was the day of or if it was uh, after several visits, brought Big E a basket of fucking fine steaks. He felt genuinely sorry about what had happened, and he showed his, you know, apology towards Big E, and Big E, no ill will at all. You're not going to see a negative bone from that man ever, Big E. Over the weekend... While speaking with TMZ Sports, Biggie stated that he wants to make the best decision for his life and career once he undergoes scans to see how his neck has recovered since the last time he went under uh, with some tests. These results will determine how well the neck has progressed and whether he can wrestle again. He's supposed to get those answers sometime this month. Holland noted on Sunday that he's been getting death threats and labeled as a racist by fans on social media. Death threats, threats to my family, lobbying for me to lose my job, being labeled a racist, great stuff, keep them coming. Says Ridge Holland on social media. A year to the day, and people are still this vehemently attacking Ridge Holland. I don't get it. I really don't understand that people legitimately have zero to offer this life or society in general, that they're on social media Sending death threats to a guy a year later claiming racist because he injured somebody in a sport where they know full and well the consequences that they undergo getting in the ring. Their life is on the line every time that they get in that ring. They know that. Biggie knew that that night. Rich Holland knows that. 
knew that going into this night, knew that when he joined the WWE. But I don't really understand the need to make somebody like this feel bad on top of feeling bad that it happened to Big E and it wasn't on purpose. I mean, you know, Big E is the spokesman, legitimately. Power of positivity is not even a fucking gimmick. It's, it's the New Day's gimmick, but it's not really a gimmick because all those guys emit power of positivity. Xavier Woods even had to come out and say, guys, this is, this is not the model in which, you know, we kind of strive to be as human beings. Like, stop. It's, it's unnecessary hatred. I, I don't understand why this is a thing on social media. Big E is the type of guy, I, I wish I had one one-hundredth of that man's positivity. I, I wish I could emit that type of fucking optimism with anything that happens in my life. Like Biggie. Biggie is a special type of guy, man. I'd give anything to have just a fucking, a, a decimal point of, of the positivity of that man. This man broke his fucking neck and he was in the hospital smiling. It's going to be all right. It's going to be, I'd be scared for my fucking life. I'd be afraid of fucking a thousand other things running through my mind. What's going to happen? This, 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 this. This man smiling in the fucking, in the hospital with a, a neck brace on. Not knowing what's to come next. Smiling, being home with a neck brace on, knowing life has changed, knowing that his career could be over. Smiling, emitting positivity. This man has forgiven Rich Holland. Why can't you forgive Rich Holland? If Big E is the model human that you should strive to be and he forgives Rich Holland, what the fuck gives you the right to go out there and treat Rich Holland that way when Big E never even thought about showing Big E any of that type of negativity? Disgusting. The IWC is disgusting, but I don't really, I don't really sit here and expect anything less from somebody that hides behind some fucking Japanese wrestler avatar or a, a fucking Powerpuff Girl avatar or anything like that, you know, where they don't show their real face and they hide behind a fucking keyboard with six followers and they like their own tweets. Give me a fucking break. Ridiculous. Anyway, guys, that is all I got for you on tonight's show, man. I hope you enjoyed what we uh, discussed here tonight. I felt good. Thank you guys for being here and hanging out with me. I uh, haven't really felt all that great this week, but you guys, power positivity, man. Power positivity from the OTS family, and you guys always help me through what I think is bad weeks here on the podcast, man. Thank you. We're going to get into the Super Chats in just a second. Please make sure you guys go follow me on social media. At JD from NY206. That is Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Go check out all the other videos if you might have missed anything on the channel. Hit that thumbs up. 1,000 likes minimum is the goal. And make sure you guys continue to get those Super Chats in if you want to hang out and join the channel as a VIP channel member right here on OTS. We have my mother's basement coming in two weeks. And Rage, you better fucking be there. You understand me? Dressed to impress, sitting at the bar, and I don't want to see you without a cold beverage. Tonight's show sponsored by Blue Chew. Love my friends over at Blue Chew. And I'd love if you guys show them some love. 
Long-term booking is something that I push on this show weekly. There's no greater long-term booking than Blue Chew, man. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. But in chewable tablets and a fraction of the cost, you can take them anytime, day or night, plan ahead, and be ready to write that long-term storyline. Process is very simple. You sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their online medical providers, and once you are approved, you're going to receive your prescription within days. No questions asked. Best part, all done online. No visits to the doctors. No awkward conversations. No waiting in line at the pharmacy. It's going to be delivered to you in a very discreet package. Done. Tablets are made in the USA. They are prepared and shipped directly to you. No questions asked. So if you guys want to benefit from that extra confidence when it's time to perform and time to write that long-term storyline, give Blue Chew a try, man. Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. $5. Shipping and handling is all you're going to have to take care of. You're going to get your first Blue Chew on me for free. Code JD at checkout. BlueChew.com. Code JD. $5 shipping and handling. That's that's all you're going to have to take care of, man. BlueChew.com. I want to thank them, as always, for supporting the podcast right here on OTS. Daniel Pinson becomes a new member. Daniel, what the fuck are you drinking, brother? Tyler with a 199 super chat times two. JD, you are in my thoughts. I love you, man. OTS for life. And my great grandma is 104. She had a stroke, but she is good. Happy to hear that, Tyler. Thank you so much, man. My grandma's 94. Hopefully she pulls through. Whatever's going on here. Michelle with a $2 super chat. Better to be unhappy in AEW than uncertain in WWE. Absolutely. Colby Duran with a 199. Liquid Death should sponsor the IWC Ace OTS for Life. I emailed them. I haven't heard back. I tweeted them. I haven't heard back. They hate me. Jason Barker with a seven-month recommitment to the VIP club. What am I drinking? I'm drinking green tea with liquid sugar from Dunkin' Donuts. I'm excited about Monday night. Curious to see tomorrow's SmackDown. Hopefully, WWE does right by these last couple of shows, man, going into WrestleMania season or WrestleMania. Michelle Moran with a $2 super chat. When Brian's contract is up, you see him going back to WWE. No, I think Brian retires in AEW. Theme parks and things with Johnny. Five months. Five months and many more to come, says Theme Parks. Thank you, man. Thank you for being here, brother. Colin Hutton with an 18 months says, prayers up for your grandma. Thank you, Colin. I appreciate you for 18 months, brother. Mr. Matt with a new membership. Thank you, Mr. Matt. What the fuck are you drinking? Same thing goes for Michael Ferris. Thank you, gentlemen. Lena Scorpio with seven months. Prayers for grandma. What are your thoughts on Forbidden Door coming up? And would you think Mercedes Monet will have a match 
if she's a part of it. Yes. I tweeted it out yesterday. I willed it into existence, hopefully. Keeping my fingers crossed. Mercedes versus Jamie Hayter. Don't know if Mercedes is going to be the IWGP Women's Champion, but I'd still do the match anyway. A lot of people are like, oh, I want to see Mercedes versus Jade. I don't. That's not a, that's not a match worthy of Forbidden Door. Miggy Saito. Thank you, brother. Triple H, biggest success is LA Knight and Gunther. Agree. Gunther may be number one. LA Knight's right underneath that. N with a 499. Making Cody into nothing more than Dusty Shadow. Then acknowledging him as his own man from AEW reeks of Vince McMahon more than it does Triple H. And this is why I said Cody and some of the story of Cody going into Mania is spearheaded by Vince McMahon. Because this was Vince McMahon's match. This was the plan when Vince was when Vince was there. And this is what Vince would have done. Kevin Stallman with five. Thank you, brother. I know why almost versus Lesnar was booked for WrestleMania with little to no weeks of build. It's because Vince loves big, sweaty men. Yeah, Vince also is just demented. Basic. Fox has been vocal as to the direction of SmackDown. Is it possible Fox feels more confident having Triple H to do creative for SmackDown? Yes. Yes, but NBCU is also very pleased with Triple H, which is very mind-boggling to me why they would even allow Vince anywhere backstage having some sort of influence. Both networks were very over the moon about Triple H being back. It doesn't make sense. Rage, thank you again for the mega, mega, mega bomb before. Jedi Joker 93 with a $10 super chat. We love you, Rage, and JD, stay strong. I lost my mom when I was 11. I know what you're going through. Just know you guys are meant to be here. Keep your heads up, and my Twitter DMs are open to talk. Thank you, Jedi. Uh, Jedi, do me a favor, bro. I let you down, man, and I apologize, man. Tweet me that thing that you uh, that you sent me last week so I can retweet it after the show's over. Please, please at me. Colin Hutton with a $22 super chat. Thank you, Colin Hutton. Forbidden Door is coming to Toronto, and I'm super excited. I'll definitely be there live in attendance. JD, would you ever consider coming to Toronto for a pay-per-view and a meet-and-greet? I think you'd love the distillery district. Bro, I'm already looking into it. I already got my uh, I already got my management team looking into it. I've been told that Toronto has uh, excellent cocktail and beer choices that would make me very happy to a point where I may never leave. Thinking about it, Colin, I let you guys know a meet and greet in Toronto would be fantastic. Clone Force. 499, prayers for rage. And if Wyatt is going to miss WrestleMania, what about Bobby versus Bronson? And have Bronson go over. I like the way you think, Clone Force. I think that's a great move. Ali with a 499. Hey, JD, I just want to say on Monday was my 29th birthday. And did you ever like that one band, Disturbed? Yeah, they were all right. They were all right. They got worse as the years went on, but their earlier stuff is where it's at. TK with a $10 super chat. The problem with AEW bringing in some of the ex-WWE guys is the egos they have. 
They don't see AEW as equal to WWE, so they think they deserve to be at the top because of their name value. Yes. 100% correct. Instead of wanting to build the company and for them to start over, right, and help the young kids get over, they all want to be placed at the top. They want to come on in and be the fucking cream of the crop. It doesn't work that way. You weren't there since day one. You're there to help the company. I mean, who expects to be a main event guy? CM Punk is the Brian Punk and Moxley that and Jericho. That was it. The fuck do they want? Those are main event guys. Swerve is not a main event guy yet. Keith Lee's not a main event guy yet. Malachi could have been a main event guy. They dropped the ball with him. Paul Jackson with a five-dollar super chat. There are rumors in regards to fans' disapproval of the Baron Corbin versus Kurt Angle match at WrestleMania, in which Vince said, "Fuck him." I'll save that for Sunday show, Paul. I actually had it in my notes, and I uh, purposely uh, did not want to talk about it here just for uh, time constraints. Zach Smith with a thirteen ninety nine super chat. How would you feel about WWE crowning a new WWE champion through the King of the Ring tournament? Would they be better off using it to find the next challenger for the title at SummerSlam? I like them finding a next challenger for SummerSlam. I'd hope that they split the titles before then. Hollywood guy with a $5 super jet. You probably said it, but I missed it here. It is there in an article, and Vince said fuck them to the fans because of the Brock Lesnar match and Omos. I'm pretty sure he said fuck them several times to the fans. That's exactly what he thinks of the fans. He does not give a shit. Captain Solo, $5 Super Chat and a $2 Super Chat. LA Knight needs to win King of the Ring. He's great. The fans like him. And the fact that Vince had him being Max Dupree shows how out of touch he is. Vince McMahon pitches a tent for Omas. I'm going to go LA Knight, Money in the Bank, and Gunther, King of the Ring. And Johnny with a 199. Other dream matches for Forbidden Door 2. I'm doing Omega Osprey round two for the IWGP United States title. I'm doing Brian Danielson versus Okada. I'm doing Mercedes versus Jamie Hayter. That's all I can think of right now. CM Punk, if he's back, I'm sure he'll get involved. Maybe we do CM Punk versus Tanahashi like we were supposed to do last year. We will see. I don't know. But, I mean, if you have a forbidden door with those top three matches, instant sellout. Instant sellout. Forbidden door. Forbidden door is going to be something that Tony Khan is going to look back on as probably one of the absolute most greatest pay-per-views that anybody could do this year. He's got a full roster now. There should be no excuses for the level of show we get. Anyway, guys. I'm about to get out of here, man. I appreciate you very much for hanging out with me tonight. Thank you for the generosity via the Super Chats. Thank you guys for all of your support. Thank you for the thumbs up. Thank you for the memberships. Awesome. 
Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you guys for everything, man. I'll be back tomorrow night with the SmackDown post show right here on OTS. Uh, we will be live uh, around normal time, man. No Rampage tomorrow. I'm not watching Rampage. Rampage is on at 11.30 tomorrow, so fuck that. So we'll be live right after SmackDown's over. We don't have to wait for Rampage to be over because it's not even going to show up until 11.30 on T TNT. But uh, I will see you guys tomorrow, man. Please follow me on social media, at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you continue to hit that subscribe button. Turn on the bell for all notifications, and make sure you guys go check out all the other content on the channel, man. Plenty of it. And I'll see you guys tomorrow night, man. Have a great day. Have a great night. And I'll see you guys back in the venue tomorrow night for SmackDown right here on OTS. I'll see you guys tomorrow.